what you have to remember that the vast majority of companies, and I'm, when I say vast majority, I'm thinking 99% of companies aren't able to really reinvest for high rates of return for long periods of time. It just doesn't happen. You might have companies that can do it for 10 years, 15 years, maybe even 20 years, but eventually most companies aren't really reinvesting at high rates of return. They just can't do it. I'm Chris Hill, and that's Motley Fool Senior Analyst Matt Argersinger. Warren Buffett is very much on track to never pay a dividend at Berkshire Hathaway, but he sure does like getting them. Berkshire Hathaway is expected to receive about $5 billion in dividend income this year. When you're an investor, you're the part owner of a business. And this episode is all about getting a piece of the profits your businesses are generating. Ricky Mulvey talks with Matt Argusinger and Anthony Chavone about how to find some interesting income opportunities. Welcome to Dividend Investing 101. We're looking at capital allocation with the Motley Fool's own dividend kings, Matt Argersinger and Anthony Chavone from our Mogul and Real Estate Winners Investing Services. Good to see you both. Hey, good to see you, Ricky. How's it going? Going well. So, uh, let's start with the fundamentals. We'll talk a little bit of uh, historical performance with dividend companies, potential risks, and then uh, maybe get you some ideas if you're an investor thinking about entering dividend land. So, 101, we'll start with the basic question. Why would a company choose to pay a dividend? They have a few different options with share buybacks, maybe acquisitions, depending on how you're looking at the cash flow statement, or just holding on to all of that cash. Why do you like dividends? Well, one of the reasons why Ant and I like dividends, besides the obvious, which is you get, you know, on a monthly or quarterly basis, you get a, you know, you get a cash payment from the company. Depending on the company, it can be a nice yield. So if you're an investor who's looking for income, that can be, uh, you know, that can be a great thing. But I think dividends have gotten a little bit of a bad rap, and this might seem strange, but I'm actually going to blame Warren Buffett <laughs> for this um, because, as we know, you know, Warren Buffett, the CEO, and Probably greatest investor on the planet, Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway's never paid a dividend, at least since he's been the CEO of the company. And he's always said, "Well, why would it, why would I pay a dividend if I can reinvest the capital I get at higher rates of return? You know, if if Buffett can invest and earn a nine percent return on capital, why is he going to pay that out as a dividend, where it probably comes out as a three or four percent yield?" But what I think that has done is it's convinced a lot of investors and a lot of CEOs actually that paying dividends is a, is a bad choice. But what you have to remember that the vast majority of companies, and I'm when I say vast majority, I'm thinking 99% of companies aren't able to really reinvest for high rates of return for long periods of time. It just doesn't happen. You might have companies that can do it for 10 years, 15 years, maybe even 20 years, but eventually most companies aren't really reinvesting at high rates of return. They just can't do it. Buybacks are a nice solution sometimes, but that can sometimes compound the problems. We know throughout history, companies really aren't great at share buybacks. And so, what is if you have excess, excess capital? What are some of the best ways to you know to help your shareholders? I think paying a dividend is should be top of mind. Um, it's a great way to put the decision in the hands of your investors and say, "Hey, we have this excess capital. It's your capital." We can't find really good uses of that capital right now. We're going to pay it out to you as a dividend, and you, the investor, can make the best decision for yourself as to how you want to reinvest that dividend. So I think it's it's part history. It's part because we've had this crazy bull market where 
companies that rose the most in value didn't pay dividends generally. They were tech companies, small growth companies, biotech companies. But I think, and again, I think dividends have gotten a little bit of, bit of a bad rap from people like Warren Buffett and others who have kind of derided the idea of paying them. But I think dividends are a great use of capital sometimes, and I hope more companies pay them. Going back on something you said, yeah, this uh, dividends have been around for way longer than a hundred years. This hip new investing trend was started by the Dutch East India Company. Little, little fun fact for the history nerds out there. Anthony, give me give me your pitch. What's what's the pitch if you're an investor, maybe newish to the stock market? Why should you care about the dividend? I think companies that consistently pay a dividend and actually increase that dividend on an annual basis, I think they usually have some sort of economic moat. That enables them to, to generate that cash flow to, to consistently pay out dividends. And just an example that comes to mind is Coca Cola with their strong brand image. They use that to um, generate consistent cash flow and earnings, which eventually leads to consistent dividend growth. That's one thing you can look at for dividend yield is some sort of economic moat or some type of competitive advantage. Another thing that I think is important when looking at a company's dividend or change in its dividend policy, is you get a pretty good indication of the financial health of the company, because you simply can't fake the cash that is being paid out to shareholders. So that dividend payout is pretty much correlated with earnings growth. But it also gives a glimpse of management's expectations for the future. A company that comes to mind is Vail Resorts. They had to cut their dividend during COVID, because obviously their business was was hurt pretty bad um, with closures and that the lack of international travel. But they reinstated it, um, although at a lower yield, last September. So, you could see the business was improving. That was a sign that it was a step in the right direction. Um, and then in March, they increased that dividend above its pre-pandemic level. So, that's a pretty good sign that the, the company's doing well. And um, management has pretty big expectations for the future. I'll just add one more um, reason here why, why a company may pay dividends. Sometimes they're actually required to do so. REITs or, or real estate investment trusts, they're actually required to pay out at least 90% of their, their net income or their taxable income in order to receive that special tax treatment they get on uh, corporate profits. So, for that reason, REITs usually carry a higher dividend and um, don't necessarily have as much retained earnings to um, initiate a buyback program. Anthony, you touched on dividend cuts a little bit with Vail Mountain Resorts, and I think it is worth describing why management teams are so uh, reluctant, hesitant to cut d- dividends, uh, even when their business is in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think in the case of Vail Resorts, it wasn't so much management's fault that they were cutting their dividend. It was, you know, obviously a, a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic came along, so it was kind of understood by by their investor base why they were were cutting that dividend. But yeah, I think if there's some reason that the business is underperforming and there wasn't a pandemic that resulted in um, the dividend cut, I think that would have had more of an effect um, from the shareholders' view. Yeah, I think with looking at the pandemic, especially a company like Vail or other hospitality companies, travel companies, retailers, cutting the dividend was an obvious choice to to preserve capital, protect the balance sheet, and kind of live to see you know their day, or at least live through the uncertainty of the pandemic. And so it wasn't a surprise to see a lot of companies cut their dividend, and and that happens from time to time, and and it's usually one of the first things to go once a company kind of runs into financial trouble. But of course, the key. If you're a dividend investor, is to find companies where you can be confident the dividend is sustainable, that it can grow, and it can kind of continue to be paid out and grown through multiple business cycles. We're in a bear market right now. Nobody welcomes it, but it happens as a stock investor. How have dividend stocks historically performed in bear markets? Standard and Poor's actually um, did a study earlier this year that found that dividend aristocrats, which are companies that have 
increase their dividend payout for at least 25 consecutive years and are a part of the S&P 500, they found that they outperformed the S&P about 69% of the time since 1990 in months where the S&P had a, a negative total return um, for, for a single month. So, that's pretty impressive. And then they also found that the risk generated an excess return of about 1% over the return of, of non-dividend growing companies in a down month. So, I think a lot of that outperformance can probably be attributed to um, the economic moat that a lot of these, these dividend growers have, um, which also leads to consistent earnings growth as well. And there's also some some data you got on how they how dividend companies perform during during periods of high inflation. There's actually a study from um, Cohen and Steers. Um, it was a 2011 report, so a little bit dated, but we really haven't had inflation um, over that time until now. But they found out that since 1972, in periods where inflation was between four and six percent, companies who routinely pay a dividend outperformed um, non-dividend payers. On a total return basis by about 15% annually. So that, that's a pretty big difference um, there. And it gets the difference is even greater when you look at companies who routinely increase their dividend. That underperformance jumps to about 17.5% over non dividend payers. I think a big part of that, again, is the economic moat and then also the pricing power that a lot of these, these dividend growers have. Let's get into the nuts and bolts. If you're looking at a company that pays a dividend, what are some of the specific metrics that you guys are watching? Right. Well, I think first and foremost, if you're a dividend investor and your concern is, can this company continue to pay that dividend, and is that can that dividend be grown over time? And I think you want to start with looking at the payout ratio, which is a very common ratio if you're a dividend investor. But essentially, what you're looking at is taking the current dividend payout. Uh, say it's fifty cents, and then looking at the company's trailing twelve month earnings. Say that's a dollar. So if the company earned a dollar and it's paying out a fifty cent dividend, to use a very simple example, that means that payout ratio for that company is fifty percent. And we would view Anthony and I would view a payout ratio of fifty percent as pretty sustainable. Generally, if you're looking at dividends, a dividend company, I'd say anything sixty percent or lower in terms of payout ratio feels like a fairly sustainable dividend. Now some Companies you can let have a higher dividend payout ratio. For example, if it's a utility company, or we can talk about real estate as well. Even though you you calculate the payout ratio for real estate companies a little bit differently, but with those kind of businesses, real estate and utilities, where there's very clear earnings visibility, you have a lot of confidence in what the company is going to earn over the next year or two. You can let that payout ratio go higher, sometimes 80 percent. Um, but anything above that, I think you should start getting a little concerned. About whether or not that dividend payout is sustainable, and then after that, looking at the payout ratio, look at earnings and earnings per share. Have earnings per share grown at a consistent rate, and has the dividend payout ratio kind of moved in tandem with that? As long as the company is kind of growing its earnings over time, it's a good bet that that dividend is going to continue being paid, and that the dividend is probably going to be increased over time. The Hartford Funds did a survey or a, a study earlier this year. That showed that over the past 95 years, the average dividend payout ratio in the S&P 500 was about 57%, which is not too bad. But as of the start of this year, um, the payout ratio was just about 31%, so a lot lower than the historical level. So I think when you factor in strong earnings growth, 
um, which we've seen for much of the last decade, the strength of corporate balance sheets, and then that low payout ratio. I think it's reasonable to think that we could see above average dividend growth for this upcoming decade. But you want to make sure it's healthy. There are the horror stories in the past of companies cutting their dividends completely or almost completely. General Electric would be the most prominent example in my mind. Here was this you know, massive, the biggest company on the planet at one point, I think in the late 90s, but you know, venerated company that was paying a dividend, had great stock price appreciation in its history, ran into some hot water kind of in the 2000s as they started to rely too much on the financial part of their business, especially going into the global financial crisis, uh, you know, about in the last decade. They essentially paid their dividend too long, if you look at it. They paid their dividend, kept it high, really into 2009. Even after you know the company had kind of run into trouble, and that really hurt the balance sheet, and they did it because they felt that so much of their investor base, including tens of thousands of pensioners who own General Electric stock, really depended on that dividend. So it kind of forced the company to use a lot of that capital they badly needed to pay the dividend. It turned out to be a mistake, and that hurt the balance sheet. And if you look at General Electric as the as a business, it really has actually never uh, recovered. And there are some dividend uh, controversies that kind of could be looming, where you see some companies paying more dividends than they're making in earnings, and in some cases, there's some lawsuits on the horizon that they may want to watch. Absolutely, Ricky. Two companies come to mind in that zone, which is 3M, great industrial company that many people are familiar with. Uh, they've paid a dividend uh, for much of its history, and they they have a nice yield right now. But they certainly have some big lawsuits coming uh, that could result in billions of dollars worth of payouts. And my thinking there is that the dividend might get cut if some of those actually come to fruition. And then there's uh, the company Hasbro, which is the the iconic toy company. They've paid a dividend for a long time as well, raised it, I think, nine out of the last 10 years. But if you look at their earnings, their earnings have really flattened out to the point where the payout ratio, the dividend payout ratio is now exceeding 100%. I'm not exactly sure of the full story there, but that would strike me as as, as worrisome, and that, that the dividend might get cut in, in the short term. It's a little bit like Lucy eating chocolates at the chocolate factory, where you're raising your dividend, but you're not necessarily keeping up with your earnings. <laughs> That's right. All right, this is 101. I got a dumb question because I'm a bit of a dumb guy. The way I think about dividend investments, or the way I thought of it without thinking much, which is how I think about most things, is if you wanted an investment that paid you regular cash flows, and you want it, you want something that scratches that itch. Why not focus on REITs? They they have to pay like there's a they have to pay out ninety percent of their income to shareholders. There's a little bit more complexity with how companies pay dividends. So why not just if you want regular cash flows as an investor, why not just buy up some REITs? You know, I'm not going to argue with that actually, because if you if you ask Anthony and me, we we love REITs. The two services we work on at the Molly Fool uh, recommend a lot of REITs, and we, we know the industry well. My my only pushback there would be, uh, even though you sort of get that more, I don't want to say guaranteed, but you you certainly get higher payouts and higher dividends with REITs in general, just because of the way they're structured. And if you invested only in REITs, you're only getting exposure to the real real estate sector of the economy. Whereas, and you're sort of ignoring the hundreds of other uh, companies out there that are also paying dividends that touch many sectors like financials, utilities, healthcare, even even technology stocks. You can find many that pay dividends nowadays. So I think I love REITs, and I and I certainly own a lot of REITs, and I, I love them for their income potential. But there's certainly a wider opportunity set for you as an investor if you if you look outside REITs as well. 
we got a couple technical questions, but I, I do think they're important. So, when you're collecting dividends, do you guys like reinvesting them in the company, or do you just take the cash? That's a good question, and I, I probably am going to confuse a lot of listeners because I kind of do the opposite of what I think most financial advisors might suggest. But in my retirement accounts, which are tax deferred, I actually elect to reinvest the dividends there in the companies, and that's mainly because the companies. When I buy a company for my retirement account, I'm planning for it to be there for many, many years. I like the company. I'm fine with letting those dividends come in and then reinvest in a drip and buy those shares. When I look at my taxable accounts, where I also have dividend payers and REITs, I actually tend to take the cash instead of reinvesting the dividends. And that's because I, I like to get the cash and, and kind of be a little more opportunistic about where I want to invest new capital. I might see better value in something else rather than investing back into the same company. So that's kind of my approach. Um, Ant, what about you? Yeah, for me, I, I own most of my dividend paying stocks in a retirement account. And I choose to reinvest all my dividends. Since I recently just started my investing journey, uh, my dividend income still is, is is pretty small. So my situation, I don't think it makes too much sense taking the cash. I, I'd rather allow that dividend income and uh, capital appreciation to to compound uninterrupted in the, in the retirement account and uh, just stay invested the whole time. Now, in 10, 15, 20 years, um, when my dividend income is larger, I, I think I may choose to to take the cash and deploy it to the best available opportunity. But for right now, I think I'm just gonna set it and forget it. All right, you're a newbie investor. You're in the 101 class, for goodness sake. Should you be leaning toward the dividend ETFs, exchange traded funds, exchange, exchange, exchange traded funds, or do you like the individual dividend paying stocks? We don't need to edit that, Rick. We can leave that in. The people love it. <laughs> well, you know, we're the Motley Fool, right? And I think we're always going to, at the Motley Fool, going to lean towards individual companies, individual stocks, because they're more interesting. And I think as do it yourself investors, we like to, you know, build our own portfolios. But I, I think if you're just starting out, you don't have, you know, a lot of cash at your disposal, you're looking to get kind of diversification. There are certainly some interesting choices if you're looking at index funds or ETFs. A few that come to mind, there's the Vanguard High Dividend Yield, the ticker's VYM, and that focuses on companies that pay above average dividend yields. There's the Vanguard Dividend Appreciation Fund, which is VIG, VIG, uh, and that focuses on companies that are growing their dividends over time. And then, you know, Anthony mentioned the uh, dividend aristocrats earlier, which are companies that have paid or increased their dividend. Uh, 25 years in a row, which is extraordinary. Very few companies make that list. Um, there's actually the ProShares S&P 500 Dividend Aristocrats uh, ETF, and the, the ticker is NOBL. Gotta love that. So These are great, low-cost ways to get started. Um, I will point out, though, that these three ETFs that I mentioned, VOIM, VIG, NOBL, they've actually underperformed uh, the broader market for quite a while now. Um, and I think that's understandable, given the nature of this, the past bull market we were in, which was really about technology companies, software companies, companies that weren't paying dividends. I expect, and I think Anthony does as well, that they're going to do a lot better uh, going forward. Uh, but Ant, any thoughts on ETFs versus the individual stock approach? Yeah, I'm going to have to echo your thoughts, um, especially on the, the Vanguard ETFs, because I think that's a great way and a a low-cost, efficient way um, to get broad exposure and diversification, especially when you're just starting your investing journey. Um, I know for me, the first investment I ever made was into a Vanguard low-cost index fund. 
Um, and then from there, I started to build out my individual portfolio because um, I knew I had that that diversification through the index fund. All right, the people are hungry for some ideas. I, I I can feel it. They've been listening to dividend basics for more than twenty minutes. Let's let's finish this off with some uh, interesting companies paying a dividend right now. One could even call it Matt a interesting income opportunity. I like I like that, Ricky. Um, so the two companies that come to mind for me right now. I don't think many people are going to think of them as dividend companies, and their dividend yields right now are relatively low. The first one is eBay. Needs no introduction, I'm sure. Many people on listening have heard of eBay and probably used eBay to buy and sell things. But it's it's you know it's it's still a great e-commerce marketplace. Still has tens of millions of buyers, millions of sellers, and you know it's got a lot of good things going for it. One of the things that I love about it is just the, the amount of cash the company generates. The margins are just incredible. And eBay has become a little bit of a dividend pair. They started paying a dividend, I think, about four years ago. They've already raised it three times. I think the yield today is right around two percent. And I, I figure this is going to be one of those companies where the dividend is going to become a lot more important to the company over time. We're going to see them raise that dividend, and uh, it's it's kind of a like an emerging dividend grower. The other company I'm thinking about is a company called Quest Diagnostics. DGX is the ticker there, and this is. A, a company that's essentially a duopoly in the area of lab testing and and diagnostics and uh, huge competitive advantages and another company that's kind of growing their dividend and paying a dividend for a while now they're they're growing it and one of those companies where I think it's going to become a great income opportunity time both eBay and Quest Diagnostics by the way have fairly low payout ratios which means I, I expect as earnings grow their dividends are going to grow nicely as well Anthony what you got the first is EPR Properties. I, I just love their focus on experiential properties. They own a bunch of movie theaters, uh, top golf, water parks, and at a time when there's so much pent up demand for experiences coming out of the pandemic, I really like this play. Um, it's really the first summer without any COVID related restrictions. So I think this is an interesting opportunity. Um, they just recently got back into growth mode um, with a big acquisition in Canada. And the stock it yields about seven percent right now, but that that dividend's well covered. It pays about pays out about seventy five percent of its FFO, which is pretty well covered. And at its current valuation, I just I think it's a nice opportunity to to capture yield and that capital appreciation. Two things I'd like to throw in, uh, and if I may, about EPR, it pays a monthly dividend. Which is kind of cool. So if you're an investor who wants to get that dividend on a monthly basis, it's one of the few dividend payers REITs that pays on a monthly basis. And Anthony mentioned FFO funds from operations with REITs. That's kind of the key earnings metric you want to look at. Um, when we mentioned payout ratio earlier in the show, we were talking about earnings payout ratio. In the REIT world, you want to look at FFO, which is more of the cash flow um, that's more appropriate to measuring real estate earnings. So just a quick, quick pro tip there. Anthony Chavon, Matt Argusinger, investors on the Mogul and Real Estate Winner Services for The Motley Fool. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks for having us. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. tomorrow.